Hey, good evening there once again, Sloggy Kiddos. I am back for a second round. It's uh, Saturday, October 14th, 2023. And, like I said in the last podcast, I'm going to be doing two tonight. So, I can take tomorrow off and still stay on track for reading through the whole book of John while I'm up here on my 21 days of... Fun in Prudhoe Bay. I'm so excited. Oh, I should stay longer so I can do more podcasts. Wait, that's the craziest thing I've said in a long time. I must be losing my mind. Okay, let's quit goofing off here, you guys. Just stop it. And go to John chapter 12. All right. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made of made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, Many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel! And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, quote, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Let me see where that's a quote from. And my footnotes don't tell me. All right, there's a bonus question. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Verse 16. 
His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to war, went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must Follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, Okay, I'm going to stop right there. So the people, the crowd, they had begun to study up a little bit on who the Christ was. And they know that the Christ remains forever. So that... Well, just what they say, he remains forever. Maybe they don't quite know that the Christ is an eternal, non-created being. Maybe they're not quite there yet in their understanding, but they do know that the Christ is special and it remains forever. And this whole being lifted up thing, 
That must be like the slang term for being crucified. Well, that guy got lifted up off the earth. Oh, that's not good. So anyways, verse 35. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Quote, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Unquote. Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, quote, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 41 Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Kiddos, is there glory that comes from man? Yes. Kiddos? Is there glory that comes that's given by God? Yes. John chapter 12 verse 43 says exactly that. Verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, Seize him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Okay, and that's the end of chapter 12. Let's go over to our book, Kingdom's Edge by Chuck Black. We're going to start in chapter 4. 
And chapter 4 is entitled, A Desperate Fight. Our training continued each day. Once we mastered, mastered a particular technique, the prince would challenge us with a new, more difficult one. On that day, I was in just such a training session with a fellow knight and parried his oncoming thrust to the left. Rob, your skill with the sword is impressive. You've improved dramatically since we last fenced. Rob caught my vertical cut and countered with a quick side slice. Aye, and yours as well, Cedric. Remember, though, it was only the third day of training when we first took up our clumsy swords and flung them at each other. Rob had also been one of the first men chosen by the prince on that spectacular day in the square seven months ago. Rob was offensive to me at first. He was rude and brash, but I quickly saw a genuinely kind heart within him. The more I got to know him, the more I liked him. His curly red hair and fair complexion seemed always accompanied by a boyish grin. Yes, I remember well. The prince is more than a teacher, for it took a miracle to make swordsmen out of us, I said as I caught his slice and countered with my own. He is indeed a miracle worker, in more ways than one, Rob said. What do you mean? Rob parried my thrust this time, and the flats of our swords met midway. Well, haven't you seen the joy on the faces of the people? Rob said. He has promised to heal this country and restore the people's dignity. And they believe him. I know this much. If any man alive can do it, he'll be the one. We finished the session, and our swords found rest in our scabbards. I believe you're right, Rob, I said. The prince seems to have all the ingredients to make just such a thing happen. That evening, William and I passed by a small shop on our way home. We heard a ruckus from within and decided to investigate. As we opened the door, a part of me wished we had chosen to walk on and ignore this place. Two other occupants were inside the room. One, who I presumed to be the owner of the shop, was white and pale. I do not know if the lack of blood to his face was the result of fear or because of the large hand that nearly encircled his neck. The other occupant owned the threatening hand and a large hulking body to go with it. His back was to us, but it was enough to know he commanded enormous strength. He heard us enter and turned his head. If you want to live, leave this place. His voice was deep and gruff, the mere sound of it as threatening as his form. It was then that I noticed that the shop owner's feet were not touching the ground. Pain joined with the fear I first saw. Pain joined with the fear I first saw on his face. 
Release this man or face our swords, I said as boldly as my own fear allowed. I saw the grip of the shop owner tighten slightly before the beast of a man threw him into a corner as though he were a rag doll. Don't move, the man said to the shop owner. He slowly turned to face us, revealing all of his horrific grandeur. He stood nearly seven feet tall. His stringy hair hung to his shoulders, partly hiding a deep scar that swept from his left cheekbone down to his chin. His eyes were dark and filled with poisonous hate. His neck joined his shoulders and chest in a mass of muscle. His arms were as thick as a young cedar tree. The hand that encircled a neck just seconds ago now held a gleaming sword. But even this did not chill me as much as what I saw next. His tunic bore the mark of the dark night. He was a shadow warrior. So this is a glimpse of the evil force spoken of by the prince. I prayed it would not be my last glimpse of life itself. His voice was thick with indignation. You will regret that you chose to interfere. Now you die. He attacked us so violently and forcefully that I feared he would spill our blood with hardly a fight. His blows were incredibly powerful. We retreated slightly to regain ourselves and spread apart to divert his attack. William caught a slice across his arm that bled but was not too deep. I pressed an attack to bring the brute off William. How could we escape with our lives, let alone bring justice to this criminal? William brought some hope to our case as I saw him advanced with a combination the prince had taught us. In the throes of the shadow warrior's fierce attack, I was so preoccupied with defending myself that I had neglected to rely on the training the prince had so diligently given us for such an encounter. We tightened our positions and ever so slowly began a methodical advance that soon had the shadow warrior on the defensive. His eyes spewed hate, but I saw surprise momentarily cross his face. He renewed his fighting and we gave, but only temporarily. Advance, retreat. Advance, retreat. Were it not for two of us versus one of him, the fight would have ended abruptly. Instead, it wore on. The shop owner was still a puddle in the corner. I do not know if he was dead or if he feared that the shadow warrior that the shadow warrior was toying with us and thus dared not move. For all we were worth, William and I could not bring this brute down. We were tiring, but the shadow warrior's energy seemed inexhaustible. I knew we were slipping. I'm sure the Shadow Warrior knew it, too. You fight like my enemy of old, he growled at us. Tell me who your trainer is before I end your miserable lives. A floorboard creaked at the entrance of the shop, and my heart sank. 
Had another shadow warrior entered from behind? Was this to be our end? I am, came the familiar voice of the prince in response to the shadow warrior's question. At last, I thought, with three of us we will have a chance of defeating this massive warrior. What a foolish thought it was. For the first time, I saw fear on the face of the shadow warrior. Not just a glimmer of fear, but fear that comes from deep within and stays. His fight immediately left him, the once flashing powerful sword now hung limply in his hands. I know who you are, son of the king, the shadow warrior said with a quaver in his voice. William and I slowly backed off in amazement. This shadow warrior could defeat any of the noble knights within seconds, including Caiaphas. But the mere sight of the prince turned him into a cowering fool. At that moment, I began to realize how truly awesome the son of the king was. The prince placed his hand on his majestic sword. The shadow warrior withdrew two steps, his sword still lowered. Let me live, came a weak, gruff plea. Lay down your sword and go, the prince said. The shadow warrior did not hesitate. He dropped his sword and moved quickly toward the door. His eyes never left the prince until he was safely in the street. He turned and ran into the darkness. The shop owner threw himself at the feet of the prince. Thank you, my lord. You have saved my life this night. What is your name? The prince asked. My name is Barrett, my lord. Rise up, Barrett. The prince lifted Barrett by his arm. Tell me, how did you fall victim to the likes of this gruesome man? Only now was the color coming back to Barrett's face. He started to talk but coughed and choked on his words. I offered him water as he tried to regain some composure. Barrett was slightly shorter than I with an average build. His coffee-colored hair had receded to the top of his head, and his face was clean-shaven. His eyes darted nervously left and right. I wondered if this was a lifelong mannerism or a consequence of his recent near-death experience. Barrett was ready to try once again. A few months ago, this same man entered my shop and offered to buy my geese and fish at a higher than at a price higher than I could get from anyone in the city. His only demand was that I tell no one about him or our exchange. He seemed fair enough, so I took his offer. A few days later he returned with nearly the same offer, so I agreed. This continued for some time, but each time his price got lower and his demeanor became more fierce. Before long, he demanded the food at a fraction of the market price and threatened me and my family if I didn't agree.
Barrett paused and took another sip of water. He took a deep breath and continued. Eventually, I was giving him the food, and he was also demanding money. I told the noble knights, but they seemed too afraid to even confront him. I do believe he would have killed me tonight had these gentlemen not intervened. Thank you for your bravery, kind sirs. Please take this money in payment for your services. The shop owner offered a bag that jingled with the sound of coins. Coins the shadow warrior had apparently hoped to steal. We accept your thanks, but not your payment, Barrett, I said. We cannot receive money for doing what is honorable and just. Barrett turned toward the prince, and fear surfaced once again on his face. My lord, how can I be sure this brute will not return? If he returns, Barrett, you can be sure he will not return alone. He will bring the other warriors. He will bring other warriors more fierce and wretched than himself with him, the prince said. Barrett looked desperate. There is only one way you can protect yourself and your family. Follow me, and I will train you, equip you, and protect you. I will follow you this very night, my lord, said Barrett with renewed hope in his eyes that only moments ago were full of fear and desperation. It was clear that I still had much to learn from the prince. And that's the end of chapter four, kiddos. And a couple little statistics here for our people following along. We're on page 45 of 145, but we have, not counting the questions, we have 119 pages. So we're more than a third of the way through. Okay, so let me see. Let me just ask you... The questions in chapter 4. In this chapter, Cedric and William encounter a shadow warrior who is about to kill a man. They attempt to save the shop owner, but they are unable to defeat the shadow warrior. When they are about to be overcome, the prince arrives and sends the shadow warrior running for his life. What two biblical events does this event portray? Number two, after battling against the Shadow Warrior for some time, Cedric sees William use a combination taught by the prince. Cedric realizes that he had been relying on his own skill and not on the training he received from the prince. What might this mean for you personally? How does God empower you to overcome sin in your life? And number three, the only reason Cedric and William were able to remain alive during their battle with the Shadow Warrior was because there were two of them. Jesus knew about the importance of having a partner with you when you enter into missions.
Find a verse that supports why you think this is true. Huh, pretty cool, kiddos. Well, I will leave you with those questions. I'm not going to answer them for you. Okay? And I need to be done. It's getting late. And this is my second podcast of the night. Keeping track for tomorrow night. Paying, uh, doing one ahead of time. So, I love you kiddos very much. Uh, know that I'm praying for you. And... I love you, Lily Joy. I love you, Gideon Paul. I love you, Christina Rochelle. I love you, Sonia Camille. And I love you very much, Garrison Walter. I love you all very much. And Mommy Joy, I love you in an extra special Mommy Daddy way that I don't love kids. Okay, I'm getting tired. I need to go to bed, but can't wait to see you guys again. Get some good sleep. Have a good night. Love you very much. Night-night.